this? Ugh, this is so boring. What else is on? Welcome to a brand new episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an animation podcast for geeky girl experience. I'm Hope Mullinax, and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite animated shows. In this episode, after being belittled by Pacifica Northwest one too many times, Mabel challenges her to a miniature goth-off, which is a really weird thing to say. Goth-off. Goth-off. Goth-off the wizard. Goth-off the gray. Which gets out of hand when some quote-unquote local residents offer their help. We're talking about Gravity Falls, the Gulf War this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. Do anything fun? Uh, uh, I did a lot of editing. That's fun. <laughs> Maybe you. <laughs> I do have something fun to announce. We are going to have a guest next week, you guys, and I'm super excited about it. She's one of our favorite people, and she's already been on the show. So if you remember our Owl House episode, we had Allie from Knights of Ren podcast, and she's going to be joining us next week because she's a huge Gravity Falls fan, and she specifically really loves Mabel. So she's going to be joining us next week for, well, I'll give you the episode title at the end, like I always do. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, Stick just check out- around for that. Yeah, we love Allie. She was also on our other show, J Guys and Jedi. So we're fans of her. We stand her. We love her. She's a precious baby, and I always feel bad for cursing in front of her. I'm having <laughs> I'm having so much fun. Like have it. It's so much fun having the guests on, and then it's round two where I get to edit it, and it's already out by by the time you're listening to this because I'm putting it out actually tonight at midnight. I just edited the um, J Guys and Jedi with with Brian from the Pink Milk podcast that Hope's been guesting on. I love them, and it's almost <laughs> it's a two hour and forty minute show, and it is packed full of content and drama. There's yeah. laughing, crying. If you want to hear that, that episode is really fun, and even if you're not really a Star Wars person, that's for our J Guys episode, Gone with a Trace, and that one was it was pretty much me and Brian talking about the queer experience of being gay and, and bi pan and asexual and just talking about what it's like to survive as gay and we even just like talked about like a lot of the things we talked about on this show as well like you know Disney's queer co- uh, queer baiting us and the problems with gay characters presented at Disney and the film and stuff like that so like we get, we get pretty heavy you know it's not our our normal it's it heavy but you also we also have well there's Yoda and there's uh-huh. uh, there's kids in this one. There's there's spouses. There's pets. It's we got get all, to, uh, all of it. Yeah, we get to talk to Tom. Tom is Brian's husband, and he's also super delightful. So you know, this is eight weeks ago, probably ish, give or take. So by the time you hear it, yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, what did you think about the golf war? I liked it. It was, I had to do a little thinking about it, and it'll come out in my theories, but this one was sort of kind of a step back into season one, where it was just sort of a, it, di- it didn't feel as much into the wider adventure, although I'm sure there are things that are, that have shown up in this that I, that I missed, but 
Um, in my theories, I did. I was still was able to grind a theory out of this one, but like this one seemed very much like season one, where it was they discover a mystery or a bunch of creatures, and there's a personal drama attached over it. I mean, as such, it's it's really good. It was just it was more like a season one episode. No, I get that. I, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm counting this against the show because I really like this episode. I like this episode too. I I will let you know. This is one of the very few standalone episodes of season two, which is probably why it has that feel. And you are correct. There are things that do come into play later, but out of the, all of season two, this is one of the few that don't like you know steamroll into something else. Right. Um, right. Because to, to me, the thing that like really has the season two stamp on it is Stan in this and his entire demeanor, which I will talk about. So you're ready to get into it? I am. <clears throat> the, I put the gold war. The golf war is the 23rd episode of Gravity Falls and it aired on August 11th, 2014. It was written by Alex Hirsch and Jeff Rowe. It wasn't Rowe or Rowe. Rowe. W row 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 row, and his director was Matt Braley. God, I put Matt Braley. What the hell is wrong with me today? <laughs> the director was Matt Braley, and the storyboard artists were Alonzo Ramirez Ramos and Matt Braley. Sound, by the way, Matt Braley. I love Amphibia. Oh my God, I can't wait for it to come back in 2021. Some extra information for you. As we mentioned back in season one, starting from this episode. Nathan Fillion is the voice of Nathaniel Northwest. His other works include Firefly and Serenity, Castle, and The Venture Brothers. Sergey is voiced by Frank Kalindia. His other works include Frank TV, Mad TV, and Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Franz is voiced by Patton Oswald. His other works include Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Bojack Horseman, and Ratatouille. The Pirate Lilliputian is voiced by Jim Cummings. He's a legend voice actor, and some of his works include being the voice of Tigger and Pooh in Winnie the Pooh, the voice of Darkwing Duck, both in the original series and the current run of DuckTales, and Hondo Anaka from Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars The Clone Wars. The Night Lily Pintian is voiced by John O'Hurley. His other works include the host of the National Dog Show, Every Thanksgiving, the host of Family Feud, and Seinfeld. The Lily Pintians... I'm going to say this like different every time because I could never say it right. The Lilliputians are a reference to the Lilliputians, a society of, am I saying that right, Lilliputians? Lilliputians, Lilliputians, I think. Lilliputians, a society of tiny people who inhabit the island of Lilliput, which is representative of the Kingdom of Great Britain and Jonathan Swift's satirical novel Gulliver's Travels. The story of Big Henry and how he died pushing the ball to the end of the mine is a reference to the story of John Henry and how he died, which is John Henry is an American folk tale for anybody who lives overseas, and how he died building an entire railroad track to the promised land. And finally, although the subtitles translate the French Lilliputian speech saying, I don't actually speak French, what he actually says in French is, whatever, damn, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) all right chris what jimmy or your jams the on the nose 80s music the she's so good song pretty funny king of mini golf patrick delmore yeah i like in 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 mabel's fantasy the boy band shows up yeah xyler and kraz 
Man, yep. I always, I love every time, especially because, like, they showed up very early in season one, but after Dreamscaperers, like, whenever you see Xyler and Krez, you're like, it's Xyler and Krez! Like, it's always a good time whenever they show up. Yeah, she just throws them into her fantasies at any given time. Big Henry is great, and uh, We Control the Ball song is pretty <laughs> pretty crazy for a kid show. <laughs> Poor Sorte, he never gets to go home. <laughs> yep. That just song get a always... New one. Yeah, I have, uh, is, was Sergei their servants? Does he get paid? I don't know. No, Sergei, Sergei is a hired, like, tennis coach. Like, mostly, like, Sergei, Sergei's would be a tennis coach or, or something, or your ballet coach or something that you hire, that rich people will hire for. So he's, like, a hired professional. Yeah. And she'll get a new one. Poor Sergey. He just wants He's to go like home. The, he, he was like the world, you know, mini golf champion in 1975. And then he retired to just like teaching rich kids how to mini golf. Yeah. My favorite parts. Uh, actually, like this, this episode has a lot of my favorite one-liners in it. And that's pretty much all my one-liners like uh, are my favorite parts, which is what the first one being Stan saying, go to the golf course after midnight. I don't know. We'll have to break in. Just kidding. Let's break in. <laughs> which is such a stand thing. Dipper had two of Dipper's lines are some of my favorites, which was Pacifica is rich. She's cheating at life. I, I noted that quote, too. And then the other one from Dipper is you should have charged her for that taco. <laughs> Agreed. And finally, my other favorite part, and I, it's still so funny to me this day, is Pacifica going... Sharring? When Mabel tries to share the taco with her, she just goes, Sharring? I love it. So, I have notes about Pacifica as an individual that go into my notes of what's her butt, Mabel, which goes into the Lily of Putchins. And they're all kind of the same because it's about rivalries. But I think. My notes about Pacifica are the only ones that are standalone that doesn't roll into the other ones. Okay, let's do those first, I guess. All right. So I like this episode for Pacifica. I think this is a good episode for her because this is kind of the first time we start seeing more of her home life and we start getting to see her more as a character. She's not just like the bitchy girl that's, you know, living in town. That's that's uh, Mabel's rival. Like she's actually starting to kind of like Wendy. Like, and uh, yeah, it was the last episode. Kind of like Wendy in the last episode where they're starting to flesh out these kind of side characters. But what I like about Pacifica is she has that little bit of Gideon-ness where she can pander to the normal people and the normal people are on her side. But the difference between her and Gideon is Gideon was actively trying to trick people and pull the wool over their eyes. But because Pacifica is rich and she has that status, she doesn't have to hide her intent. People just like her because of her status. and I. Right. And, but she still gets to have that moment of just like, give her a hand, folks. And I think everybody knows that they're terrible people, but they're the rich people. So everybody wants to be with them. So I like that she has that little bit of Gideon-ness, Gideon-ness in her. I think they're starting to build her, and this would make sense with the show, as Gideon was the terror of the household. Mm-hmm. Gideon was the monster in his household. But he was a different kind of monster than Pacifica. Pacifica, they're starting to like introduce the tragedy of the rich kid that whose parents 
you know, the father's just like, we can watch it on YouTube tomorrow or whatever. You know, he was, he had to be at his business meeting and just the standard sort of tragic life of the poor little rich kid. Mm. But you're starting to see how like her parents being rich has kind of, she's a little kid, so she could be evil or whatever. Gideon's like died in the wool evil. She's like just been spoiled and and warped by having having rich parents who who raised her this way. Yeah, I, I and that's kind of why I like this. Uh, like, because for one, the Northwest are the absolute worst. Because we see, like, all she wants her she wants her parents to come watch her. You know, she wants her parents to be there, but they have to go off to their lives. And I think the moment that actually really defines Pacifica, and it says a lot about who she actually is, like, because she's still shallow, she's still petty, and she's still the rich kid. But I think the moment where we actually see who she is as a person is when her and Mabel are fighting back against the little the Lily Putnans. Because up to this point, she's either been with her parents, like in Irrational Treasure, or she's been with her friends and her, and her rich friend group, like in Double Dipper. Or uh, Time Traveler's Pig. This is the first episode we've seen her on her own with no one else around. What does she do in this episode? She compliments Mabel. She says that Mabel is pretty good at minigoffs and she's not that bad and she's just kind of rusty. And being on her own for the first time, she's we see that she's kind underneath the pettiness. And she's still kind of a bitch, but she's still nice. She, like she, still, is, she did it out of like, she did it because she, she's like, I gotta do something nice. This girl just saved my life. But it's a step. She's, she's not going to just turn into a, a nice character overnight. Yeah, and, uh, and right after that, she still accepts Mabel's sticker. She didn't make fun of it. She didn't turn her way away. She didn't crumple it up, which I think she would have done if her parents or her friend group was there. Right, But she right. accepts it and she sticks it on her shirt, you know, with a little snide comment of, you're lucky this looks good on me. But there's a number of negative things she could have done. Which like would which would have turned it away, but she didn't. And I love the car scene. To me, the car scene is my favorite scene of this entire episode. There's so much going on, and I will say there's a really good. Uh, I almost sent it to you too. There's a really good animation that somebody redid, and it's called "If Gravity Falls" was an anime, and it's the car scene. It's animated with like emotional music of like Pacifica looking back on all the moments she made for an Mabel as she's like trying not to cry holding a taco and it's very emotional. <laughs> so I will say I am influenced by that. Um, I think the, the creator is Mike Intel, but there's so much going on in that car scene. But I just, what I love about it is Mabel just kind of accepts Pacifica, you know, I, I think this is what Mabel always wanted, going back to the episode Double Dipper, when she first introduced herself to Pacifica. She walked up, she was like, hi, I'm Mabel, let's be friends. And Pacifica was like, no, I'm her. And yeah, you know, like that, like, I, I we see Mabel sharing with her and a little bit more of her home life that she doesn't know what sharing is. She thinks sharing is handouts. But we also, again, see that niceness come out when she compliments Seuss on his W neck. When Pacifica is away from her status and on her own, she's actually nice. She's a nice person. She's still shallow and rich and petty, but she's not evil, which is a difference. Yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, I, I think they're t- totally um, setting her up to be a, a sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. Did you like uh, Seuss's debut, Nick? I did. <laughs> <laughs> did you like Seuss? Uh? 
That's really all Seuss got to do in the whole episode, really, was the W neck. But it was very important, and he succeeded at his W neck. Yes. The rest of my uh, Pacific notes kind of tie in with Mabel, because I, I really like... I really like Mabel in this one, too, because the whole point is her addressing the rivalry head-on. And her rivalry with Pacifica runs alongside the rivalry that the Li- Lily Putnins have. I will say I think her calling Pacifica a bleach blonde hair valley girl stereotype might just be the meanest thing Mabel has ever said. On this show that we <laughs> That's know. True. Yes. That's true. But what, what I like about this is Pacifica always brings out the best in Mabel. Because from the get-go, she wants this to be a fair fight. And it's actually Dipper that pushes her into cheating. Which I think is just a really nice character moment because she didn't want to cheat in the first place. They cheat, they almost killed Pacifica, and then she openly admits to Pacifica that she's the better player. And I think this is all such big things for Mabel. And it's really nice, but I, I just have to also keep noting that Dipper was the one that was like, you should cheat, man. She cheats at life. She's rich. <laughs> Dipper just wants to get some gets get the little puttians going because he loves that he loves that stuff. So yeah. Yeah. What what did you think of their rivalry in this episode? Mabel and Pacificas or the little puttians? Mabel and Pacifica. Uh, mostly like Ma- Mabel in this episode. Well, I mean, it's it's in line with with what we've seen before. Mabel would lean into this one a little bit more because she was going to do her own thing and all of a sudden Pacifica was there mm-hmm. on top of all of it. So it makes sense that, that Mabel, you know, had to dial herself back at the end because she got a little ticked off about it. I do want to know, here, here we go. I'm about to boost Chris's ego. You are right. I think it was in our season one recap. Because you were talking about how you wished they were actually had more Pacifica last season. I, I really agree with that, especially kind of like rewatching this episode, like with a fine tooth comb. Because even, even if it was just a, one more tiny mini appearance towards the end of the season, because really after episode nine with the Time Traveler's Pig, we really don't see Pacifica again. Looking back at this episode, it would have been nice to have like one more Pacifica interaction somewhere at the end of season one to really help cement that they have this rivalry so when we get to this episode they can really fully address it yeah i i can't remember there was sort of a little they they sort of threw a little throwaway line in there about pacifica in the beginning that sort of like if you walked into the show for the first time that sort of set up but yeah yeah she definitely could have used more i I have a feeling her character is going to figure in more so to kind of segue into the lily putnians I like that how they touched on the negative side of rivalries because there's nothing wrong with being competitive and rivalries can be fun and can when both parties are aware of it and like it's a friendly competition rivalries can be good but we do see the negative side of side of rivalries often going too far and becoming far too personal and it becomes obsessive and harmful like we see with the Lily Putnins I found this article about rivalries, and the the article is called Rivalries, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly from the Entrepreneur.com by Laura Intis. And I found this kind of fascinating because it made me think of the the Lily Putnians. So it says, Left unchecked, rivalry can fester into a warped motivator. When success is defined solely by how one measures up against a single competitor, 
the incentive to engage in unethical behaviors sharply increase. From his research, Galvin Kadef, a professor at NYU Stern School of Business who has been studying rivalry for years, has found that the subjects who are asked to think about personal rivals before performing a task scored significantly higher on the Machiavellianism scale than subjects who recalled non-rival competitors. They are also more likely to inflate their performance. Add real-world stakes and rivalries can lead to corruption and chaos. Yeah, well, I think the Lilliputians, the thing about them were they lacked human nuance. They were just kind, they were little simple creatures mm-hmm. and motivated simply. So, like, th- there wasn't the nuance of, like, of, of Mabel and, and Pacifica reaching some sort of detente in the whole thing. But theirs is basically, they, they, their rivalry was working out, seemed to be working out fine until Dipper and Mabel, like, introduced some new ideas that got them fighting. Since they're, like, these simple creatures, once they stopped fighting each other, then all that they really all they really had to do after that was band together and fight a common cause. So they're basically going to fight. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like it worked out too because they were all performing together a little musical number for Sergey at the end. So yeah. it looks like they it worked, but what what did you think of the Lily Puttons? Oh, well, for one, I rarely recognize voices, but I recognize Patton Oswald in a hot second. And I was just like, yes, Patton Oswald. Because whenever Patton Oswald's involved with something, you know, he's going to find something funny. And this was hilarious. I mean, the, the last scene with Sergey at the end and then the singing the little song was hilarious. I, literally, I laughed out LOL'd. So, like, yeah, I love I love their whole idea that they just live inside the the mechanics and every time you play a game of golf there's some drama like the big henry <laughs> drama playing out inside that big henry scene <laughs> like oh my god i i still remember the first time i watched that i was like did they just kill him yeah. oh my god For the children's yeah yeah as a comedy <laughs> yeah and it it's, is it's... funny though because i mean it's a play on movie stereotypes but it, it's also like playing with it it just sort of has the feeling that that happens every day there <laughs> life is cheap in the lilliputian world and that's kind of like where when i found that quote the whole like task score significantly higher on the machiavellianism scale I was like, yeah, they're probably fine with them all dying because we see Thou- like thousands of them probably die a year just keeping the game going. How many of them get eaten by ducks or yeah. drown in the, the pools <laughs> of the water, <laughs> the four inch pools of water? Yeah, I, I think the Lily Putnians are really interesting. And I like that they each have their different holes. It's it's such an interesting take on Gulliver's travel because they can play with those. Kind well, that's what Gulliver's of... Travels was. I mean, everybody, yeah. like, focuses on the Lilliputians, and, but they were giant people. They were all different kinds of people that, that he went to visit. I just like that the Lilliputians were, like, they called themselves the, the Ball Masters, they had the Eiffel Tower Hole. <laughs> Those guys over at the Eiffel Tower Hole. So they had all these just rude ball, ball-related jokes <laughs> all through the whole show. So I was lo- loving that. I like that you point that out because because I always take it so literally. And I love that you're here to be like, nah, scrotums. (laughs) (laughs) 
I also just think it's a really cute pun of Lily Putnam's. It's such a really cute little pun. <laughs> Though I was looking through the journal, and this might be one of the few creatures that Dipper and Mabel get to discover on their own. We don't know what's in journal number one and number two because it was never published. We They've only ever published journal number three. And I'm talking about, like, the the physical book. Right, um, right. There's no mention of the Lily Putnians except for what Dipper writes. And looking in show, he's surprised to see them. So it's clear that he hasn't, like, he doesn't know what they are either. So I think this is actually one of the few times that Dipper gets to have a one-up on the author of actually making, getting to make his own discovery and getting right. to write it down, which I think is really cool for him. Also, I noticed there's a lot of no hat Dipper in this. Sometimes he gets to not wear his hat, so. He kind of starts going no hat more and more in season two. And I always wondered if it was kind of like running alongside of like if there was more meaning behind it. But I think I it don't... makes him look older. That's all. I think it, it adds a little age to him without having to really change his care. They can just bush out his hair a little bit. He looks like he looks like he's getting a little older, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole like three days in season one. <laughs> um, but did you have anything else about Mabel Pacifico or the Lily Putton? Nope. The only other note that I really have is actually about Stan. Because I, I agree, like, this feels like it could have easily been, like, an end-of-season one episode. Except for one factor in this, and that, to me, is Stan. His energy is just completely different now. Now that everything's out in the open, and they know that, like, he is aware of these things, and he knows that they're aware of these things. But he also kind of feels a lot warmer now towards the kids. Like, he well, feels he's more like- relaxed. He, he, he doesn't have to like pull himself back any because the kids are in the kids are in bending the rules too. He can indulge himself. The kids he and the kids are, are cut from the same cloth. So yeah, relax is actually a really good way of putting it. Like he doesn't have to put up this front for them anymore. And it leads to a lot of really nice moments. Like I love when he encourages Mabel to go out there and he gives her a sticker because he knows that stickers are something really important to Mabel, as we saw in the shorts, the TV shorts, because Mabel has an entire short about stickers. And Stan knows this. So it leads to a lot more warmer reactions. But the thing that gets me the most, though, is because he gets to participate, he gets to use his con man skills to break into a mini golf course. <laughs> right, right, right. And he knows the kid, you know, he knows the kids aren't going to tell on him. Kids aren't going to go home and tell their parents. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the difference between something said then, like, the deep end with the pool episode. Because he had to secretly break in when he didn't think that the kids were aware of it. But now he's just not, now he's just like, let's break in! (laughs) Cut the chain! Yeah, and I, I feel like that's the energy that makes this a season two episode. Everything else could have easily been a season one episode, but that and the darker tone of stuff like Big Henry, like that's what really makes this a season two episode. <laughs> Did you have anything else? Uh, no, I think I got all my notes. I think uh, the, the only other question I had is in the beginning, there was some owl cereal near Mabel, but I couldn't read the label. I wish I could have read what it said, but it was some cereal with an owl on the cover. At the beginning, you said? Yeah, I literally had the screen at full screen. And I couldn't couldn't read it it wasn't clear enough to read it uh let's see according to the gallery <laughs> so dipper is eating it and it said oh and he's using waddles as a footrest as an ottoman so good for him um and it says overly sensitive owl 
Overly sensitive owl. <laughs> so that's it's their cereal. Solved. That's their cereal. So, all right. Well, since he is the first person to discover the Lily Putzians, time to read from the journal. Oh, as always, what makes Chris watch cartoons is broken into parts. When we talk about stories, themes, and characters, we read from different journal. We have our ciphers and connections to previous episodes, and then Chris's speculations and theories corner. I forget to say that at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) For the journal entry, this is from Dipper's point of view. And it says, After the horrors of the last few days, Mabel and I decided to try some summer relaxation at the local mini golf place. Bit of advice. You can never relax in Gravity Falls. Instead, we encountered the Lily Putchins, mini golf major terror. This tiny race of golf ball people has been turning the golf course into a war zone every night for eons. Sue says he always suspected that tiny people control mini golf, gumball machines, ATMs, and cuckoo clocks. I'm starting to wonder how many of those he's right about. Their delightful costumes help distinguish each golf hole's population and keep their 100-year race war going. They look cute from a distance, but you get up close and they are pockmarked horror shows. Their rubber brains inside the golf ball heads make them not so smart. Golf ball heads make them nearly indestructible. But on the bright side, they hate Pacifica as much as I do. Mabel tried to keep one as a pet and bring him home. She named him Weensy and put him in her pocket, but he escaped by poking a hole out with his golf pencil. I have to also just say I like that they use golf pencils as spears. I think that's really, and, and swords, I think that's really clever yeah. in the show. I like when they do that in the show. Those are also bowling pencils, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If my shrinking adventure taught me anything, Wednesday will probably be caught in a jar by another curious kid soon. Weaknesses. This is scratched out. A speech about working together. Scratched out. A swift whack to the face with a golf club. And that is Depper's notes about the Lily Pudgeons. Yeah, I don't don't know if uh, miniature golf is existed for eons <laughs> maybe maybe a hundred years i could see a hundred years that you know in the 1920s there being some form of miniature golf i don't know when golf came to america from scotland but i, I don't know but i but the whole it's I dipper will, writing it too so i yeah. almost noted it in my uh favorite parts is i do love hearing me able to say the words i don't want to be in the middle of your blood feud <laughs> Hearing Mabel say the words "blood feud" is just like welcome. Well, to they also used feud. "race war" in the in the, the, <laughs> in journal. the journal entry. But <laughs> what I, when when he mentioned their different costumes, I, all of a sudden I was like, "Oh my god, they're totally it's a small world." And then I remembered the font of the the mini golf place. What was the name of it? Was uh, is in a Disney Disney font, mm-hmm. and the word "discount" is almost looks like Disney. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely a little in, uh, rip on Disney from the well from the inside. So Disney making fun of itself. But Alex Hirsch is very good about sliding in those little jabs at Disney. So he's like the problematic child John Oliver character. So. All right. So now it's time for our ciphers and, and connections to previous episodes. So there is sort of one connection to a previous episode. It's more of a hint and kind of a setup for this one. But Mabel's mini golf skills seen in the Gulf War are hinted at back in the episode Carpet Diem. 
as she dominates Dipper in the game of Attic Stuff Mini Golf at the beginning of the episode. Oh, I remember that now. Yes. Yeah. And there are two ciphers in this episode. One is at the end of the credits. And once the credit cipher is decoded, it reads, Remember Big Henry. The other cipher, which is the flashing page at the end of the credits, says, Old man sleeping on the green. Can't help but wonder what he's seen. I wonder if that's a hint or if it's a reference to a song or something or a poem. There is a part where there is someone sleeping on the green in this episode. Well, yeah, old man McGucket is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it reminds me actually of a scene of a of an old bum sleeping on a mini golf course in a butthole surfers video. Pick <laughs> him up with a ball. Oh, that maybe that was an illusion then. Maybe, oh, maybe, because I the, these guys have proven they are the right age for butthole surfers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they seem to be of the mindset too. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. that butthole surfers video like sort of evolved its way into like the careers of the people who did the movie Freaked and uh, Bill and Ted's Big Adventure. I haven't thought about Butthole Surfer in so long. <laughs> One of my favorite bands. All right, Chris. It might be one of your favorite bands, but it's time for my favorite part. What is your speculations and theories? Well, I was like wondering if I could find any speculations and theories on this one, you know, rather than, oh, we'll see the Lilliputians again or something like that, because it did seem to be a sort of. But I think um, I think Pacifica's parents are going to be evil. I think we're going to I think we're going to see an expansion of of not just her character, but her parents character. And at some point they're going to be linked in with probably Cypher or or just the forces against good. And Pacifica is either going to have to reform them or turn against them. That's my prediction. So I was actually able to get speculation out of this, perhaps. But I can can see roots of a potential storyline like that. Okay. Any other ones? Nope, that's it. I'm lucky I got one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were, there was something in there that you were hoping I spotted that I didn't spot, I can tell. No, 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 no. I can only say, okay, without <laughs> delving in the <laughs> Do you think Sergei will ever escape? I hope, well, probably. There's probably, we'll probably get another Sergei gag at some point. You know, they can still squeeze one more joke out of Sergei. All they have to do is wait for the park to open the next day and Sergei can just like run out of the, out of the gate. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. I just love the idea of, like, you know, the the Patrick Delmore golf cart king shows up for work and, like, Sergei's just tied to the pirate ship and he's just like, please help me. <laughs> well, there was a, you know, what's funny is when he had his golf cart, he could he was so, like, rule-bent that he only drove, like, when they drove the golf cart, golf cart at the end, they were speeding around on it, but when he got on it, he's like, you know, going at, like, half a mile an hour. And I was like, oh, that's a slow golf cart. We've had golf carts in this show that but no, it's just him. He's not just he's driving the legal limit in the within the mini golf course. I did, I did like the scene where Robbie is uh tagging the, the castle and he's like, Those are lewd hand gestures <laughs> Because Robbie totally would. It's always fun to see Robbie, you know, even when it's just little blurps. And I like that they brought back that joke of uh, Robbie tagged it with wieners, and then the the castle Lilliputians were like, "Who put Wiener Castle?" 
So I, I like when they continue those like little visual gags. Yep. You know who I also like? Your patrol, your patrons. My patro, my patrons. <laughs> oh man, I can go. I haven't had patron. Your patron, your patronesses. I haven't had patron in forever. Oh, Patron oh. is the good shit, Lurker. <laughs> See, I was thinking of Patron in, in a Spanish sense. My Patron. Mm. Well, my Patrons are so lovely, and I love them so much. I would like to take a moment to thank Jean, Brian, Heather, Billy, Lynn, Patrick, Bree, Alex, and Kate. Thank you for your continued support of the show. I love having you guys here. I love seeing your comments. Also, you don't have to be a patron to comment on stuff, just FYI. But um, thank you guys so much for your continued support. And the show is for you guys. And I, you know, this wouldn't be happening without you guys. And you guys mean the world to me. So thank you so much. Thank you for being here. I love you. It wouldn't be happening without me, Hope. Or it would have a different name. It would. It would. It. Yes, you are... A very, you are actually probably the more important part because <laughs> getting your reactions to things. Getting jealous of those patrons, Hope. Well, throw money at me and I'll thank you too. Okay. <laughs> I know, no, no, Chris. Thank you for being here too. Don't tempt me with a good time. Well, it's a good time spending time with you and getting to talk to you twice a week now and, you know, talking to you about my favorite shows. And I'm very excited about this. And I'm just really glad that you're enjoying Gravity Falls and that you're here with me. So, thank you, Chris. But what's your final thoughts of the episode, Chris? <coughs> oh, um, that was a deep thought. <laughs> I really like this episode. I'm a sucker for Patton Oswald. So that was just like this extra icing on the cake. But I, I love little, little tiny goofy people in, in outfits. So, yeah, this had it all. I like this episode, too, because it's starting to shade in parts of Pacifica. And I've just, I always love Pacifica because she brings out the best in Mabel, both competitively, but also as a person. It's such a minor part too, but I do like Stan's role in this. And I like seeing this change now that he can be more open with the kids. It's it's a nice change that, it's, it's clear this is not Stan from season one where he has to throw up a wall all the time. Like he can or actually be much be more of without him. They would just be sneaking out without him. You know. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. That's actually probably what would have happened. And now he gets to lay in a car with Sue staring at him about how nice the stars are. <laughs> yeah, that was really that was a creepy scene. <laughs> anyway, where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website, containing to the brim with oh god, five five thousand plus podcasts of all different flavors. You can go over there and check it out. See what you like. You can sign up for our RSS feeds for any of the shows. Or if you're a daredevil, you can sign up for the one RSS feed that gives you all of our shows and blows up your your podcatcher, whatever that is. You can also sign up for our shows on iTunes. And you can see us on Facebook at the Two True Freaks Podcast and the Two True Freaks Cantina. We are also on the cesspool known as Twitter. And the brave man who runs our Twitter Twitter page is Gene Gene, the Twitter machine. Do, 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 Twitter Gene. Gene Twitter. got mentioned like eight times in this show. Twitter the, the Gene. The spirit of Gene has been looming heavily over the show. 
But yeah, that's where we can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? After you can doing find- your Marilyn Monroe happy. Are you going to sing happy birthday to Gene on his birthday? I don't know what Gene's birthday. birthday. I don't know what it is. It, it would take some planning because for we're so far ahead. Both yeah, patron we release can never is different. Up. Yeah, the patron release is different from the public release, and there's like a like a three weeks between those, and we're what like four weeks ahead. So it would it would take some planning. Yeah, it would take too much <laughs> calculus to to figure that stuff out. Then we'd have to learn what everybody's birthdays were and stuff. Yeah, you know, if I did it for Gene, I'd have to do it for everybody. And uh huh. Yeah, sorry, I, I love you guys, but no. <laughs> You can find me at geekygirlexperience.com. This is the animation podcast for Geeky Girl Experience, where you can read all my reviews and my editorials. I recently wrote one, actually, it'd be older now, but by the time this episode comes out, I will be doing reviews of The Mandalorian Season 2. And those might be completed by the time this episode comes out, now that I think about it. So you can see those. I, of course, have the Patreon, and that's patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. You can follow me at Hope Molinax. Chris and I actually have another show called J Guys and Jedi, where we talk about Star Wars animation, and we should be in Star Wars Resistance by the time this episode comes out. Or we will be about to start it because we might be in our commentaries. So every winter we do commentaries. So we're either talking Resistance or talking about I'm, I might be drinking while watching Tross. That might be a thing. <laughs> and you can, yeah, I plan on wine for Tross. You know, you're, you can be positive, but I'm going to be drinking wine. <laughs> And you can follow us at J Guys and Jedi on Twitter. Well, and makes I also you think have a... I'm going to be positive. <laughs> you said you were going to try and be positive. I, I I'm definitely going to. I, I I well I said I would. I there definitely I was going to try to to pick out the parts that I that I liked on it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never drank. I've never drank on a podcast before, and I just plan on drinking one. I don't know if I ever have. Yeah, I don't think I ever have. Yeah, wine hope is fun. Oh, we've had wine. We've we've had wine. That's true. We have had we have. wine hope. We've had we've had wine hope like two or three times. That's right? true. Because I was recording with my mom. We we it was one time because the second time I had a stomach bug and I couldn't drink. But my oh, mom. Oh, that's drank. right. Your my mom, mom was and, and your and your which one of your friends was it? Billy was it with was you. Billy, it was our patron. Billy was with she us. She was drinking the shandy. I remember that. Yeah, but I had a stomach bug, so I couldn't drink with them. That, that's so, right. Yeah, that was over on Jagas and Jedi. And you can also find my Etsy shop. And actually, by this point, I'm gonna have a Redbubble store launched as well. And both of them are under the name Geeky Girl Experience. Etsy has Waddles merchandise over on. The Redbubble store, which is also under Geeky Girl Experience, I'm launching Love Lothcats, which are Pride Lothcats from Star Wars in different pride colors. I haven't said that to anybody. I've just been quietly working on them. So, yay! Pride color Lothcats. <laughs> the Pride of Lothcats. <gasps> a Pride of Lothcats! Oh my god, that's a much better name! That's why I'm here, kid, to put some pizzazz in your advertising. You're the best, Chris. Oh my god. All right, guys, for next week, don't forget, we're going to have Allie from Knights of Ren podcast with us. Ren is W-R-E-N. Please make sure you check her out. She's lovely. You want to hear the title of next week's episode? Yeah. Sock opera. Sock opera. I like it. Any thoughts about sock opera? Puppets. We'll have to see. Yes, we will. We will have to see because I have to, I have to take notes on it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.